Law Focus Podcast, bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Good evening, BioFM listeners. It's just gone 7 p.m. on the third week of Women's Month, the 18th of August 2020. It's just how quick time flies. You're listening to Law Focus with Melissa Dueni and myself, Tsap Mahapri, on Rao 88.1. What you can look forward to this evening is part two of our spotlight on police brutality during the stringent lockdown regulations. And yes, they were eased by the president this weekend, but some of them do remain in force. Stay tuned for our legal hotspots as well, where we give a summary of that speech. In last week's show, we spoke to Mr. Titus Mametzi, an Alexander resident who was unfortunate to be shot at by police earlier this year on the 31st of March, a few days after the lockdown was initiated. Uh, this incident took place while he was getting groceries from a taxi in his house, and it seems that he was targeted for no reason other than being outside. Um, and a neighbor of his was also injured during the police shooting. We then spoke to IPERD, an organization whose duties include holding the police accountable. These are the work that they do and statistics on cases that have been opened since the lockdown. What we want to do tonight, though, is extend the conversation by adding your voice to the conversation, a very important component of the show, where we play clips of your thoughts about police brutality under the lockdown restrictions. We also want to see if an attorney can help us with some of the practical issues experienced when you encounter police brutality. In the moment where the power relations are skewed, what do you do? Or after the incident, how should we handle it? Where do we go? Should we expect justice at all? Or are we being naive in searching for it? McAndre Naker from Legal Aid will assist us in this regard. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what you can look forward to tonight and look focus. But of course, we cannot proceed without bringing to your attention the hottest legal stories of the week. Here are our legal hotspots. Rounding up all, all the top stories of the week. Legal hotspots. So this past weekend, President Cyril Ramaphosa extended the national state of disaster to September the 15th. The extension takes place amid a move to level two of the lockdown, which commenced midnight. The socioeconomic restrictions have been lifted and almost all economic activities have resumed, including the operations of German hospitality venues, restaurants, taverns and bars, which will operate until 10 p.m. with limited people. While liquor outlets will be accessible from Mondays to Thursdays between 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. The sale of tobacco is also permitted now and you are also now allowed to visit family and friends as well as to do inter-provincial traveling. The situation hasn't stopped. The Fair Trade um, Independent Tobacco Association is continuing with its lawsuit against the government. Uh, the FITA as they are known, will persist with its legal action despite the president announcing on Saturday to lift the tobacco ban of the South Africa move to uh, level two lockdown. The association will proceed with its appeal against the high court decision to dismiss a court bid to have the cigarette ban overturned. On Saturday, the Supreme Court of Appeal granted the association leave to appeal its failed court challenge. Now, then, what the association says, it still needs some legal clarity on several matters outlined in their court application. Um, 
Now, on a perhaps a far more somber note, um, it is now the anniversary of the Marikana Massacre. It's the eighth anniversary of the Marikana Massacre on Sunday, this past Sunday. Uh, advocacy organizations call for justice for those behind the Marikana Massacre. Right to Know campaign and socio-economic rights institutes Africa have come out respectively saying that there needs to be accountability for those responsible for the killing of 34 London mine workers after police opened fire during a strike over a wage dispute. The NPA has called for uh, has been called to speed up prosecutions of those implicated, and it has been said government has failed to transform or to hold those responsible for the killings accountable. Rounding up all, all the top stories of the week Legal Hotspots. Law Focus, handing you your rights. Welcome back to Law Focus with Millicent Njiweni and Tepo Muhappi. Remember that today's part two of our focus on police brutality during the lockdown period. The manner in which some law enforcement officers have been conducting themselves since the beginning of the lockdown in March has been brought under spotlight. The scrutiny escalated after the death of 40-year-old Collins Kaza from Alexandra, who died after being allegedly assaulted by soldiers for drinking alcohol in his yard. It has also been reported that within the first seven days after the lockdown ensued, law enforcement officials arrested more than 2,000 people for quarantine-related infractions. Now, South Africa has been said to be one of the most unequal societies in the world, and it is unfortunately often ranked as one of the least safe and most violent countries. Now, there have been shocking stories of violations and abuse of power by law, law enforcement officers right across the country. Now, for millions of South Africans, but particularly the poor, uh, the country's quarantine regulations have presented a real, real challenge, sometimes an impossible one. Now, we're joined by a civil legal practitioner from the Legal Aid, um, Megan Dreenaika, and she'll be helping us understand what your rights are during lockdown, what you can and perhaps can't do, and maybe what redress you might have. Uh, now, Megan, uh, as a lawyer, do you think a lot of people are aware about rights, especially in relation to the lockdown? Um, because they're constantly changing, etc. You know, and some, you know, it can change from one month to another, from one week to another. Do you, do you think people have certainty about their rights at the moment? Um, Tepo, my opinion is that I believe that most people actually don't know. They possibly have ideas, but they don't really know what the exact regulation or the rights is. Um, like you've mentioned. It's changing constantly. Um, I think in all fairness to the lawmakers, COVID-19, COVID this coronavirus, is something that's new to everybody, to people in, in parliament, to the person on the street. So... It's... it's how can I say? It's difficult. Um, for the regulations to be to be made known to everybody, it's also difficult for the layperson to know what their rights are. 
But if I can just go through a few, um, few of the basics or, the mo- or rather the, the most important points of the regulations as they are to date. Sure, wearing, a mask, oh, wearing a mask is mandatory in terms of the, the most recent regulations that have been passed. Um, wearing a mask in public, sorry, in a public area. So if you're traveling by public transport, it's mandatory that you wear a mask or some sort of cover, something that covers your face and your nose. If you're going to a school, if you're going to, um, to work, you need to wear a mask. That is the regulation. But at the same time, if a person or an individual fails to wear a mask, it's not a criminal offense. Uh, it's not something that they can be arrested for. But if you enter that taxi not wearing a mask, that owner of the taxi or the driver of the taxi, if you enter a school without wearing a mask, the principal, the owner of that uh, institute or the employer um, can be held liable and can, uh, they can be criminal charges. He can be liable for a fine or even imprisonment for a period not exceeding six months. So there's no uh, implication on the individual, but obviously there's a responsibility on the individual to ensure that they do wear a mask. So that would be mm. the most basic um, regulations. Mm, that's interesting that they've shifted it uh, to the owner uh, or the principal or whatever, whoever's in charge of the thing. That's interesting. Um, now, we, we've been discussing over the last sort of uh, few days about... Uh, sometimes when the police have gone uh, to the extreme and there have been violations. So we spoke, for example, to an Alex resident, Alexandra resident, who was shot five times in front of his house while offloading groceries. You know, in instances like that, where does a person even start to get redress? Where do they look for help after an incident like that? Uh, particularly given that many of people in South Africa can't afford the services of an attorney. Okay. Um, firstly, that, that was really a travesty of justice. Um, a person like that should go to his nearest, his or her nearest police station to open a case formally, um, a case of assault to do grievous bodily harm, or perhaps even attempted murder, depending on the injury. Um, and... Should the person not have funds for an attorney, we have the Legal Aid Board or the Legal Aid South Africa with various offices, local offices, satellite offices in various areas. Um, a person can find their nearest office, legal aid office, and apply for legal aid should they qualify and pass the means test. An attorney would be appointed to them and an attorney would assist them with such a, with such a case. Um, be it in respect of criminal charges um, or bringing a civil case against the police, against the, the Minister of Police for charges, uh, or for, rather for a claim of damages for police brutality. So there's always redress. Thank you for that, uh, 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 Megan. And, and shame, unfortunately for him, who was sharing how I think he first sought help in the wrong place, which was at the clinic. Yes, he needed to go to the clinic, but he, he asked them for legal advice and he was told you can't even do anything about this. But I think you'll, you'll be fine now, uh, considering that he has uh, taken action thereafter. 
the lockdown regulations, which is something that you alluded to before, keep changing all the time, all the time. It's so confusing. You know, the one moment you were uh, you were the one who was going to be in trouble for not wearing a mask. Now, you know, it's going to be whoever you've gone to see at the school, at, you know, work, if it's work, whatever, those bosses are the ones who now get in trouble for that. Whose duty is it to, to know these laws, considering that they keep changing all the time? I don't think everyone in South Africa has immediate access to the media. So how can the police, if it is their duty then, be both educators of the law, but at the same time, um, you know, make sure that they are still the compliance officers that they are? Um, it's difficult to say which one person is responsible for ensuring that all South Africans are aware of the lockdown regulations. Like I've previously mentioned, coronavirus is something that is new to everybody, every department, all of South Africa. Um, so I would say that every department, from the Department of Health to SASA to the courts to our legal aid offices, not just the police officers, that there should be pamphlets, there should be posters, there should be information at all of these departments so that everybody can hear and everybody can read. Um, people that, are, that don't have the internet, that cannot uh, or do not have access to information via the internet can pick up these pamphlets and, and read them. So I, I would say it's everybody's responsibility at this point to share the information and to spread the information. We need to, to basically help each other in these difficult times. Okay, absolutely. And uh, is there any given point in time when it would be just for the police um, to, for lack of a better word, maybe overstep the boundaries um, that they are mandated by, uh, you know, in protection of other people when, when maybe enforcing an arrest or ensuring compliance with the lockdown regulations? Is there a point where they are allowed uh, to do that, considering that we are now within the Disaster Management Act, it's no longer the same um, as when it was just, you know, our constitutional rights that we are complying by. How has that changed? Um, well, first off, I would say that there's never a time when um, the police have that right, unless there's always a limitation with law, unless, um, and in terms of Section 49 of the Criminal Procedure Act, there are provisions there that allow a police officer to step those boundaries or to overstep those boundaries. Um, and it's very specific. So if a person is seen out of his property after the curfew hour carrying his groceries and you shoot at him, that is definitely not, um, not the time for you to overstep your boundary. You're not allowed to do that. But force can be used by the police if it is immediately necessary for the purpose of protecting the arrestor, any person lawfully assisting the arrestor, or any person from imminent or future death or grievous bodily harm. So the circumstances are very specific, or the law is very specific when it allows a police officer to use excessive uh, force and to overstep that boundary. There has to be substantial risk um, that a suspect will cause imminent or future death or harm if the arrest is delayed. So there has to be a very serious threat, um, not just in any circumstance. So to answer that question, yes, yeah. they can overstep, but in very, very specific circumstances. 
in, in South Africa, we're blessed in many ways because we do have institutions uh, that are there to safeguard our rights and sometimes to discipline certain portions of the state. So IPED is an example, the Human Rights Commission, those are all examples of, of institutions we have that either protect our rights or keep the state in check. Um, but, you know, a lot of our citizens don't, still don't feel safe around police officers, uh, given the history of our country and even the way things are today, often. What do you think is the is this the the reason behind it? You know, the, the damage to their credibility in the eyes of the of the average Joe. And can anything be done, in your view, to kind of change this narrative? Um, just lost you a bit there. So what I'm saying is. You know, a lot of people have lost trust in the police force. Yes. And, and, and they don't uh, think that they will behave in a, a way that is commensurate with the law. And what do you think, in your opinion, can be done to adjust this narrative, to make the public more uh, comfortable around the police, to be more confident around the police, especially around how the police will behave when they are dealing with them as members of the public? Okay. It's actually quite a sad situation that the relationship between the police and the public is what it is. Um, I think the focus should be on, from the police side, on training. They need to be, well, I'm sure they receive training, but perhaps the training should focus on how to approach communities, how to approach lay people because most people don't know the law. They're not well versed in the law. So just how to have a softer approach to communities and to people. Um, they need to, to restore the public's faith uh, in them. And I think perhaps things like having policing forums, a lot of policing forums in, in small in, in all these small communities, um, whereby relationships are built, where you have frequent meetings in these police, in policing forums between public and police, where we come to a point that police officers are familiar with the members that live in a particular community where they're deployed in and, uh, and vice versa, so that relationships of trust can be built, um, where community members and public are at ease to give police officers information on, on crimes, on on assistance and where they free to to go to police with that information and also well vice versa. So mm. in, I think in, in my, a, sorry. Pardon, pardon. In my experience with the with, with the courts, etc., legal aid has a huge role in the criminal justice system. Is your role in the civil justice system where people need compensation or whatever, some sort of redress in that sense, are you, is, is that part of the legal aid as visible? Is it growing? Is it there? Um, what's going on with that portion of it? Um, the civil side of legal aid is, is certainly growing. It's a very big department. We, I can say we easily assist thousands of, uh, of clients. Um, from various civil claims, from divorce to evictions to 
claims like we're talking about, brutality with the police, any, any civil claim, monetary claims, um, deceased estates. So it's grown quite a bit from what it initially was. Um, and yeah, the, the department is quite big. Oftentimes, Megan, um, there, those who know the law the most tend to, well, it seems like they're the ones who also uh, abuse and manipulate it just as much as uh, criminals would. Um, it's not just the police. Uh, we see it in politics. We see it in law firms. Um, you know, some there are those who won't comply fully with labor laws, with the Bill of Rights. Is that the dignity and equality that we know everyone has uh, entrenched in the Constitution? It does not always seem to um, to be left out by those who are opposite of the law. Just South Africa, perhaps, and, and I think maybe we, we don't always take these people on, and if we do, it does not always seem to be consequences. You don't get those desired results. Does our country, perhaps our culture, just letting things slide? Do we fail to stand up for ourselves against those in power? Uh, and I'm just including everything, everyone, not just uh, you know the public and the police everyone who finds themselves in this power relation? Um, in my opinion, yes, there are instances when we do let things slide. Um, but I think we must also be wary of becoming an entitled society. You most certainly fight whenever necessary. I believe that if an individual works hard, carries out his duties to the best of, of their ability, and their efforts are met with abuse, then I would certainly say stand up and fight for your rights. Take that employer to the CCMA if you are wronged, or bring criminal charges against your employer if his conduct is criminal. Um, so at the same time, though, we also cannot become a society that, that fails to, to do what we're supposed to do, carry out our duties. And then when your employer, for example, reprimands you, then you take legal action. So there must also be a balance in that respect. But definitely fight. If your rights are abused, fight. Okay, um, I, like, I like that. Fight. If your rights are abused, fight. Uh, yes. But we do have to be honest, right, about the power relations that exist. Okay, if we look at the police and members of the public, you might know your rights very well, yeah? And um, at the moment when you have an encounter with this person who is in power, uh, you're, because of the power relations at that moment, even if you know you're right, sometimes it does not always seem, you know, to go your way. It might go the total opposite, maybe because you might know too much, as if there's such a thing as maybe knowing too much. How in reality, like in reality, practical, how do we deal um, with such a situation? How are we supposed to navigate those power relations where you know that uh -uh, this that's happening, it's not on, you know it very well, but hey, the person who's in charge of the law at that given time, there's only something you're going to do about it later, but at that moment, what, you're going to have to now just, you know, live with the fact that your rights are going to be trampled upon until you take it upon yourself to do, do something about it later, yeah? Is that what happens? Um, I hear what you say. It is naive to just to say just fight. 
But what I can say is that get an attorney to fight for you. If you can't afford one, legal aid will provide one for you if you qualify and we will fight. We will fight for you. Um, there shouldn't be this, this fear because the other party or the employer or, or the, the other party has more power or is powerful. The rights are the same. You're equal before the courts. So find yourself an attorney, find yourself the nearest legal aid office and your attorney will fight for you. Okay. All right. Um, I hope, I hope for, for, for most people, then uh, the justice really is realized. There's nothing worse than going through a legal system and taking on cases only to lose, only for dockets to, to be missing. And you put in so much effort, so much energy, hoping that justice is going to be served and it does not get served. Maybe not the way you want, sometimes maybe not at all, but I, I definitely take uh, your point. Yes. All right, Meg. We are about to say goodbye to you, but I'd like to know where it is you think we can improve in terms of holding the police accountable, especially at a time like this, um, where we have, you know, many of our rights are being sort of limited, our right to move, you know, nine o'clock must be the, all those type of things. Where do you think, uh, in terms of holding government accountable, there can be improvements? I mean, anyway, whether it's the courts or the public, doesn't matter where. But where do you, in your experience, think we can improve? Um, I think, like I've mentioned before, when it comes to the police, especially, I think there must definitely be improvements with the training because there definitely has to be a change between the relationship between the public and the police. Um, that is a major issue. Apart from that, when it comes to the court system, even if um, in, in cases of police brutality, the courts are unbiased. So a police officer will be treated or should be treated as any other suspect or any other person awaiting trial. So I can't really say improvement uh, with the courts, but just, just with, with the police and with their training. No, I agree with you 100%. 100%. How because to handle... Sorry. I agree with you. I say I agree with you 100%. Because in, in theory, we've got a lot of, you know, the, the laws are there already. Our systems are kind of there, but it's implementation and training and, and that is lacking. Yes. All right, Meg, we really appreciate your time. And um, I hope that we get to see you again and that the listeners have taken a little bit of um, information that they can get hold of you. You did say that you are at the various provincial offices. You have provincial offices, etc., don't you? We have uh, provincial offices. We have satellite offices. We have offices basically Everywhere. every area. Yes. Okay. All right, listen. And if you really don't know where to find Legal Aid, go to your local court and sit and wait. One of them will be there at some day. You can ask them. You will always but, find somebody yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, okay. But uh, thank you very much, Megan. Uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you, Tepo. Thank you for having me. Law Focus, handing you your rights. 
Now, as we near the end of our law focus this evening uh, with me and Millicent, we move to a special segment where we're going to hear your views about police brutality, especially uh, police brutality during the lockdown. Here's what some of you had to say. Why should we have to be dealing with police brutality during these uncertain times? The way that the police have reacted to people, and especially people that are in need during these times, has been really shameful. Direct and clear instructions have to be given to these police so they know exactly what to do. And for those police that have went over the line, punishment has to be given. There has to be some consequences for what has been done. Hi, I'm Yandi Suavagwana based in Cape Town, Gwalang. Uh, I really don't like what police are doing to us because those are the people that are supposed to protect us. That made us feel safe, but instead they, they're doing their own thing. I feel like they're not trained enough to, to know or it's just a, a career. It's not... Uh, a calling because each and every career you choose is based on your talent and your calling so I really I really don't like it at all I don't feel safe even uh, anyway I don't feel safe you go report a, a, a case they chase you away not enough evidence they don't do their job properly more especially now when you, they just beat you for no reason I really, really, really don't like it, and it scares me to death. As a South African citizen and a taxpayer, I'm not happy at all. Good day to the listeners as well as to the host. My name is Kualisile Solani. I'm an idealist. I'm based in Soweto. Uh, regarding police brutality, I feel whosoever is in authority as far as policing is concerned in South Africa should uh, enforce um, values as well as uh, code of conduct to these policemen and women because these people have taken an oath of serving and protecting communities as well as South African citizens. I feel that alone uh, can actually eradicate uh, police brutality in our country. Thank you. Hi, this is Lerato. I'm a product specialist. I'm not sure um, how I feel about this because I think we're looking at the end result. I believe that um, this has to start at the recruitment process. I'm not sure how they recruit um, our police officers, but something is not adding up. I think they should... Um, the recruitment process is fine. They do thorough mental and psychonomic tests to ensure that they put as police officers uh, the right people to enforce uh, justice. Because I, I believe and this is the aftermath of that process when we see all of this brutality. Greetings to all listeners. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Zulu. 
based in Soviet to I'm a program manager for a incubation hub called Gailo Business Hub. I just want to quickly add my views on, on what we are talking about, which is the topic on the table about police brutality during COVID-19. Now, it's it's one thing to talk about a police brutality um, uh, because it's something that happens every year, but it's worse when it happens during a pandemic and where people really need their police to uphold the law and really keep peace and structure and uh, direction because we need them to guide us and not only to guide but to protect us during a, a time of, of, of trouble. So when you actually study out of the, according to the stats, you see that around about 5,500 cases are reported annually. And these cases of offense by police are, are, are extremely uh, troubling because when you see around about 60% of those cases are, put, are cases of brutality, are cases of torture uh, towards the citizen by the police. I mean, if you get about 60% of, of, of cases, which is around about 3,500 of those cases that are reported annually, they are, ex they are exactly of brutality. And when you see those cases, you, you realize that there's a problem which needs to be addressed. And I think our government is not doing enough in terms of addressing this thing because we are almost addressing like as an issue. And I mean, when it arises, we address it. And when nothing happens, then we keep quiet. But it's, it's a rot and it's something that is entrenched in the system because during the apartheid uh, regime, it was a norm for police people to, 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 to service uh, the law brutally and to make sure that people, they, they are ruled with an iron rod. And therefore, I think the system inherited uh, that kind of culture uh, in the past because, I mean, the, I mean, police in those days, they would come and raid a house and raid a home all in the name of them wanting a criminal. And that was brutality and that was violating the law. But it's so sad when it's done now in terms of freedom and in terms of democracy. And it's said that it's not something that is only done in South Africa, but it's 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 all over the world. And I, I really don't know why the, 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 the governments are not taking this thing seriously. Because if you would report around about 3,500 cases of brutality from police, it, it's really, really show that it shows that there's a problem and there's a rot and that, that speaks to really, really um, issues that are happening behind the scenes. And that speaks to the leadership. And I think there are a couple of things that which needs to be done. And I think one of the major things that uh, we need to do is to really, really uh, focus on training because it means there's a problem in training in the training department on, on how our police people are handling these situations. So there is really, really poverty around uh, training, the training department. We need to really, really um, redraft the policies of how police people are trained. Um, I think there needs to be also uh, trainings on how for them to deal affectionately while they up uphold the law and for them to be more sensitive to the citizens on, 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 on this, this issue. And it's so sad that 
you see there's different ministers that are coming in and out. I mean, um, even Peggy Tele comes in and he says, should you kill? Uh, that on its own, I know that they're trying to uphold the law and they're trying to be harsh, but we are dealing with a society that is hurt, you know, and, and I, I guess these things, they also uh, link their way to gender-based violence because the same police people who are brutal on the, on the, on the streets, they are a husband to someone and they practice the same the same uh, things at home and you find that there is there is an issue around around this this thing and i think as a society it's high time we really take this thing seriously i think it's high time where we really really look at this thing um uh, with 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 all sensitivity um I, I think we are not doing enough especially when you're looking at how these things are reported i mean even currently uh, what the case that has happened in the state days um, of our brother the Floyd, you really, really see that the wave is now starting to die down and the flame is starting to die down, but the issue of the matter is that the problem is still there. And and I know usually whenever there's a problem, we are people who are more reactive, more than pro pro proactive. And I think it's high time that our government and uh, the systems, we start, we start to have more proactive systems, we start to have more uh, proactive approach approach to the matter because it seems like we are a society that tends to wait for something to happen until uh, for us to, ad to address a matter um, we, we can't we can't really operate like that i mean we can't wait for someone to be killed and then we find ourselves you know on the on the, on the streets you know uh, going to the office uh, of the department of police and handing over our memorandum and after two months when that thing dies off then we keep quiet and live our lives as, as, as a norm because it, it this thing has proven itself uh, over and over again that it's something that is entrenched it's something that it's there it's something that has been inherited by the systems of of, of, of old uh, when you're looking at the systems almost globally you'll find out the police systems they they were really really uh, trained to be harsh which is good because I know that criminals at times they can extremely be harsh but there needs to be way in which we handle these things without um, imposing another wrong. As you know, that there's, a, there's a, this statement with, with, which says two wrongs cannot make right. So I don't understand how can our, our, our government says shoot to kill and they say enforce and they say fight fire with fire. But the truth of the matter is that the, the same people who are, who are um, causing these crimes, they are, they, 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 they are a father to someone, they're a brother to someone. Yes, they are wrong. And that's why we have uh, a, 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 a systems for these people to be charged and they go for for a rehabilitation process in jail. So if, if we have those systems and we we, we, we do things right as a society and, and train a, a police force that understands that we are trying to build a society that you cannot really really try to destroy the same society that you are protecting. You cannot protect, destroy the, the society that you, you are trying to uplift. I mean, in, in times like this, we are facing 
a pandemic. I mean, we are extremely hard pressed. We are extremely overwhelmed as a society. People are scared. And the, the last thing we need uh, is for us to have a dysfunctional system that would come from the police system, them trying to enforce the law harshly and, 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 and increasing brutality because it's a ripple effect. I mean, when you're looking at, when you look at it, you will see that as soon as the police system is dysfunctional, then that thing will eventually spill over to a dysfunctional society because people will start to be ungovernable and people will take these things to the streets. They will take their kids out of schools. They will, they will, they will affect the health systems. I mean, because people, they tend to ban things. They ban school. They, so, but it's so sad when it's triggered by the police because you need the same police to, 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 to enforce peace when people are ungovernable. So it becomes a cycle of funds and that speaks to the depletion of, 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 of funds because municipalities, they have budgets. I mean, if people, they start to ban libraries and they start to ban schools because it was triggered by police, then it starts to eat on the budget. So it, it, it's, it's not doing us any good to really, really continue um, allowing police people to, to be brutal to the society and its citizens. I mean, these people, they go, they take a pledge to protect, they take a pledge not to harm, but they violate the same pledge. And I think that also speak to our our judiciary system that we need to make sure that the law it becomes more harsher on on police people that are found guilty on this side of the law so that there should be a clear message and a clear example i mean we need to have a harsher sentence for for police people who are brutal and police people who are really um, causing harm to the society when you look at the history of this thing you'll find out that even even our our history as Africa at large, um, we have used our police people to to enforce brutality, and and we shy away. I mean, you're looking at issues like Marikana. Um, that thing on its own shows you that there is a road and there is a problem, and you find the same politicians they protect the same thing when it's on their favour. They protect the police brutality when it's really on their favour, and we need to to. To, to, to come together as a society and come up with forums and, and have debates and then, then speak more about this thing because I think it, it poses a threat not only to our society but our, our gen, the next generation because these things they tend to be inherited by the next generation if we don't deal with them now I mean uh, the, when I began my call I said that this thing was inherited from the apartheid regime because in, in those days, they, it was a norm. So you find that the same system, there's still those 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 things, slightly uh, uh, dirty cultures in the police units that which says, you know, or, or in, 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 in layman's term, you know, we won't really, really be overthrown by the people that we are governing. But the truth of the matter is that as, as citizens, we have a say. As citizens, we have rights. And as soon as we allow police people to be brutal and police people to really, really um, affect us, then we are giving over and handing over our rights. And we need to, to, to stand and we need to really reduce those deaths. I know that it might not uh, go from
from 5,500 per annum to zero or 3,500 to zero. But let us try and, and work on these things until we, we do a, a, a real a focal and calculative goals. I mean, if we say there's 3,500 cases of, of about brutality, torture and assault from police every year, I mean, if we can take that down to at least 1,005 uh, by the year 2022, uh, there needs to be a clear goal where the Minister of Police says we are looking at a two-year or a three-year or even a five-year goal of taking this thing to at least 1,000. And these are the necessary systems um, that we do in place, uh, that are rather, rather the, the systems that we activate. So we, there, there are a couple of things that needs to be done. I mean, I think also... This thing also speaks to a problem of um, people reporting these cases. It shows that there, there, there is no clear way of, of, of addressing these ways. You know, um, people they need to be taught on how to address these things. How do they escalate it? Uh, there needs to be a clear office, maybe some ombud of some sort, because you can't report police to police. There needs to be a watchdog of some of some sort, uh, which addresses this issue and a watchdog that makes sure that the, the police people, uh, they, they definitely uh, play their role. I mean, there needs to be a harsher thing. You know, if, if it hits to their percentage of their pension fund, I mean, if it hits to a certain percentage of of their benefits, you know, um, if, if these things are, fa- are found in, 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 in their cost, we need to do things that are practical. I mean, it's something that needs to be taught at school. The same way we approached HIV and AIDS, there needs to be campaigns, um, even in schools, uh, in lower grades. There needs to be there needs to be education in schools because when we speak to the grassroots, when we speak to the schools, we then um, take these things higher, and these kids they will grow with that mentality, and it will be a new culture. Um, I mean, if you teach the great Arabs about the importance of taking care of your citizens and the importance of them not really. Um, um, allowing police people to assault them because I think we are in a society where some people are even afraid to report police because of how we were raised. There's still that fear even in in our society. So we need to take it back to school. We need to take it back to our society and the way we speak to uh, um, um, even, uh, I mean, uh, to take it to varsity, to varsity students and and say maybe around the students of law or around you know, uh, all the faculties that speak to these uh, system and say, guys, you can make a difference. Guys, it's up to you and, and make sure that you contribute and you speak about these things. And we are in a society and a culture that does not speak anymore. I mean, we are in a society and a culture that has even resorted to take the law into their own hands because the police system is failing us. And if the police system is really failing us, then you'll find you know, you, you I'm, I'm not speaking to the killings in farms, but you find that many uh, farm owners and the poor, they, they end up taking the, 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 the law into their own hands because they are they're no longer confident they are no longer confident rather in, in the system and when you look at also the society, you know, the, the mob justices that are happening around you find that people are no longer confident in, in the action
electoral system that is placed. And if we are no longer confident in, in the police system, then that threatens our democracy at large because that will eventually affect systems. So um, I just wanted to add a few, few, few uh, comments around this thing. And I, I think I didn't go over my time. But if we can really, really come together, come together, this calls all society stakeholders to come together. We need the, the church fraternity to come together. We need the educational system. We need the health system. I mean, you have police people in every sector. I mean, you 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 go into, like today, you go into hospital, you find police people. You you go into, into a mall, you find police people. And we cannot uh, associate police people and brutality. Because if I see the person who are supposed to protect me as a threat, then that means uh, as a citizen I, I'm no longer enjoying the liberty of, 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 of being part of the society. And if, if we are afraid that if, if, if we call uh, the police, if, if there's a break-in in my house and I call the police, I'm not sure when they come in here. Yes, they will try and, and help, but I'm not sure what will happen between my journey and to the police station when I'm, I'm going to write the statement. So we need to really, really uh, uh, pin this thing down. We need to really put more campaigns. There need to be more training for both training, for both rather uh, police people, and there needs to be training also into the society on how they handle these things, how do they report these things, and how do they avoid these things. Because if we're going to allow this thing to continue, then we are definitely going to uh, breed a generation that is not going to be able to sustain itself. And we are putting our entire legal system um, um, in, in an extreme, extreme threat. So yeah, though that's my two cents worth, and I believe that I trust and believe that it should uh, spark some 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 talks and uh, discussions. I've said a lot of points, but um, we need to really really uh, reduce these deaths, reduce these numbers, and and uh, it's it's really really a painful thing to to experience. And I I think it's high time as a society that we deal with it and we 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 stop. I really really think it needs to stop. Police brutality needs to stop. It's something uncalled for. It's something that needs to be condemned by all societies in our com community and we need to stop it. But it starts from the top. It starts from the leadership that speaks to the governments, you know, that speaks to our leaders, that speaks to the commissioners of police, it speaks to the leaders of police, the ministers of police, I mean station commanders, etc. We need to work together. We need to speak together and come as a unit because we are trying to build a nation and unless we pull together we cannot do anything so it needs unity to be resolved and education and what you just heard right now are the voices of Yandi, Swale, Rato, Kolisile, Jeffrey and unfortunately we have another listener who do not identify uh, their identity thank you so much though for your input, we really do appreciate it. And I think the main sentiment that I get from the views presented is that South Africans are not happy with the police. There is a vehement critique about police brutality that is taking place during a democratic era. Jeffrey, they are really fully unpacking the issues as well. 
as providing solutions. We may have seen the conversation on Twitter, BowFM using the hashtag LawFocus or simply BowFM on Facebook. I think this is an opportunity to also emphasize that IPID is the institution that should be approached to hold the police accountable. So if you're not comfortable with going to the police station to report, there is IPID as an alternative. If you would like to get in contact with IPID, there are offices in every province. So check out their website, www.ipid.gov.za. For clear directives, otherwise, contact them on 012-399-0000. Yep. The form to lodge a complaint is available on the website. You may fill it in and scan it to the email address complaints at ipid.gov.za. Dot gov dot za. So I wonder if you have any closing remarks remarks before we end the show. I remember, I remember, listeners, that democracy relies on you and your participation. We need to hold government to account regardless of what happens. The mere fact that we place them there means that they are accountable to us and that they represent us. It's not enough for a government to simply do what it wants, how it wants, and when it wants, even if it is well-intentioned. You do need to hold the government to account and use your rights, as we've explained now, in order to make yourself heard if your rights have been trodden. Law Focus Podcast.